0: Stage Door Sessions by Broadway Direct. In this podcast we have in-depth conversations with Broadway's brightest, bringing you what's new, what's noteworthy, and what is coming next to a stage near you. I'm your host, Elisa Gardner, and this fall we'll be speaking with some of the artists whose talents are standing out at a very busy time in a very busy Broadway season. But before our conversations with each week's guest, this season we'll be kicking off each episode with a look at what's new on Broadway each week with Broadway Direct's own Paul Art Smith. Paul, how are you? Doing well, Lisa. How are you? I'm pretty good. I got one of those little colds that's going around, but no complaints. <laughs> I know.
1: Cold season and holiday season. so Yep.
0: Like peanut butter and jelly,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We had a lot open this fall, of course, but it seems like it's slowing down a little bit until we get a crazy spring where I think, I haven't encountered yet, but I'm sure it's like in the double digits like so oh, many shows
0: insane yeah
1: so yeah enjoy a little bit of an off period right now right. we have how it in ohio which is now on broadway appropriate with sarah paulson so still some things that have opened this month but you know december is a cooler period until the crazy spring <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And it kicks off in January. I think there are a couple of Broadway openings in January yes. um, this year. So it will be... Spring will begin long before spring.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> And going right into our first piece of news this week, it was announced that Alicia Keys' new musical, Hell's Kitchen, which is currently playing a sold-out run at the public theater, will transfer to Broadway this spring, beginning performances in March at the Schubert Theater.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this show has a lot of appeal. I wrote in my review that uh, it was going to be transferring to Broadway and I was certainly, you know, not alone in thinking that, you know, I, that was mm-hmm. not an original thought on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a lot of talent in it. You know, the the young woman who plays uh, the character inspired by Alicia Keys, Malia Joy Moon, has just an absolutely outrageous voice, you know, and there's a lot of great singing in the cast and uh, imaginative choreography, um, you know, I think the book could use a little work, but that's often the case with these things. So we'll we'll see. It's it's a hit for sure.
1: Definitely, I'm very excited to see how it transfers to Broadway. I also got to catch it at the Public, and as you said, I think the performances were the standout for me. Um, Malaya Joy Moon is like a star is born performance right there. Like she was absolutely incredible and can't wait to see her make her Broadway debut. And of course that supporting cast is stacked. I'm always excited to see Shoshana Bean on stage. And she was of course wonderful, but also Keisha Lewis, Brandon Victor Dixon, some really strong performances in there. And the music of course shines through. Like, you know, I actually was not too familiar with Alicia Keys music. I of course knew the big hits, but it was great to hear some incredible songs. And yeah, I can't wait to see how Broadway audiences react to it.
0: Yeah, the songs really did sort of accommodate the storyline pretty easily. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a stretch, um, which makes sense because it's her story essentially. Yeah. So, uh, so that made sense. But yeah, that should be that should be fun. In April, we'll be seeing that show
1: once Definitely. again.
0: And we will be seeing... What else will we be seeing, Paul?
1: (laughs) Well, was already (laughs) announced that Who's Tommy is coming back to Broadway, opening at the Nederlander Theater in the spring. And we now know who will be playing the titular role of Tommy Walker. It'll be Broadway newcomer Ali Lewis Borski. And he played the role earlier this year in the Goodman Theater production, which is the one coming to Broadway. So excited to see his performance, which also he won a Jeff Award for it, which is like the Chicago Big Theater Award. So... Excited to see him in his Broadway debut with this.
0: Yeah, I I think this is a this is a really exciting announcement. I mean, they could have gotten somebody from a reality TV show to play this part or some kind of like teen idol type, but this guy seems to be the real deal. He's got, uh, as you mentioned, he originated the role in this production. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got uh, a degree in musical theater from Ithaca College. He's got lots of work at various companies and he looks absolutely delightful from everything I've read about him. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing him and seeing him.
1: Yeah, I know. We just talked about Malia Joy Moon in Hell's Kitchen, that being mm-hmm. a star making performance, and this could very well be the same thing for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also very young, needless to say. so A uh, great
1: season for young talent, for sure. Yes. Before we transition into this very Merrily-themed episode, some exciting news was revealed about the Broadway revival. Merrily Rollong will now extend into the summer of 2024, playing through July 7th at the Hudson Theatre.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think you know that's really a, a surprise, except that you know who knew that those three stars were going to be able to extend through that, and that's pretty great news for fans who are still hoping to see them because tickets for that show are, are not easy to get necessarily. <laughs> it's Definitely. it's selling like hotcakes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, it's like um, I don't know if they'll be in it. Quite as long as Hugh Jackman was in the Music Man, how long was he in that production? That was, was about, about a year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they won't quite make it yet, but we never know. Could could be another extension coming.
1: Well, yeah, I think the biggest question mark about like if it was going to extend was, of course, these stars' availability. So I'm glad that they will be there through the summer. And how we've talked about before is um, shows that are open usually have a better chance at winning Tony awards. So I think this will make. You know, the very heated revival race, even more interesting with this open cabaret, who's Tommy. So another great yeah. season for revivals. I feel like last season we had some crazy great revivals and it continues into this season as well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Merrilee is going to get a lot of Tony love. I, <laughs> um, I don't think that's a hard one to call. <laughs>
1: Definitely. As always, you can head to Broadway Direct for the latest coverage and news on Broadway, as well as across all of our social platforms at Broadway Direct.
0: Well, thank you, Paul, as always, and today, speaking of Merrily We Roll Along, I am lucky to be joined by Katie Rose Clark, who also stars in that Broadway revival, which is currently playing at the Hudson Theatre. has a key role in this new production of the Stephen Sondheim George First musical, which is directed by Maria Friedman and stars Jonathan Groff, Daniel Radcliffe, and Lindsay Mendez. Now, as most theater fans know, Merrily is a musical with an absolutely sumptuous score, but a rather challenging book. But before we get into its somewhat checkered past, I would like to introduce Katie, who was not yet born when the show premiered back in 1981. Is that <laughs> right? Yeah. That's uh, that actually probably, is correct. <laughs> yeah, probably not even a twinkle in your parents' eye. Uh, Katie is a Texas-born actress and singer who made her Broadway debut at the age of 21 in The Light in the Piazza, a musical she also toured in. She's had other leading and principal roles in Broadway productions of Wicked, which she toured in as well. Miss Saigon, and Allegiance, and her regional credits include Prayer for My Enemy and The Last Five Years at Long Wharf Theater and Heart of Rock and Roll at the Old Globe. On TV, Katie's been seen in NCIS New Orleans and The Good Wife, as well as live from Lincoln Center's broadcast of The Light in the Piazza. Katie, welcome to Stage Door Sessions. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Our pleasure. And uh, you originated your role in this production of Marilee with the other stars I just mentioned in an off-Broadway staging that also got rave reviews, hence the move to Broadway. Mm -hmm. But before we get into this very significant role that you play, let's briefly put the production in its historical perspective, which is pretty extraordinary. Uh, Maria Friedman first directed this famously tricky show, uh, which follows three friends backwards in time, about 20 years ago in London. She had appeared in it prior to that, and it was hailed as a revelatory take on a musical that had originally gotten kind of tepid to mixed reviews and closed after only 16 post preview performances, in fact. So tell us a bit about what you knew of Marilee before you came on board and how you became a part of this terrific new production in New York and why you think it's worked so well.
2: Yeah, I have a really, um, I didn't have the, the weight of all of that history with me, but when I, when I first became aware of this production happening, um, and, and ended up getting an audition for this production, I only knew of Maria's version of it that she did in the West End. So I didn't have kind of some of that baggage or the negative sort of feelings about (laughs) About the book or the problematic storyline or any of the, the, the flaws that people view happened in the original Broadway company. But I, so I, I kind of come with fresh eyes a little bit, which I'm thankful for. And you play Beth, the first
0: wife of Frank, the composer (laughs) character who's played by Jonathan Groff. Um, Beth is, I guess, the closest thing to an ingenue in the show. She's kind of an ingenue, I was going to say at the beginning, but it's not the beginning. It's closer to the end because of the structure of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So that when we first meet her, she's a married woman with a child and she's been through a pretty harrowing experience. And because of this unusual structure of the show, we get to see how she's been betrayed before we see how her love and trust are developed and tested, which is really poignant. How did you and Maria Friedman sort of develop that journey together?
2: Yeah, I think what I love about how Maria approached the show is just that the experiences are just very human in that they're complicated and there's no very clear right side or wrong side in any of the uh, conflict. It's just a human conflict. So for my particular journey as Beth, you know, we have, we sort of go, like like you said, the, the show works reverse in time. So you kind of see her at the end of her marriage with Frank. And so you're hearing a lot of just the sadness and the tragedy of their marriage. And then you kind of see, you work backwards and see how it had unraveled. So you slowly put the pieces together in reverse. And I do think that um, what makes it so intriguing is that you just kind of you meet each character not just mine but you meet each character sort of at the end of their at the end of their rope a little bit you see you know likewise with for example Mary who's played by Lindsay Mendez you see her kind of in this drunken stumbly embarrassing breakdown where essentially she leaves Frank as a friend she she decides to sort of walk away from the friendship at long last and again you work in reverse and see how she finally gets to that point but um, for my character you hear you hear my name a lot you hear the fact that uh, in the because I don't enter until about 45 minutes into the first act so you hear about That's me, right you hear about this the this, the son we have together and you know I uh, all the comments my, my husband actually made a really funny point because he's like until we see you all we hear about is how you're like you like took Frank for all he's worth and you're kind of like me (laughs) rubbing ex-wife, which is kind of interesting because that you hear me talked about. And then finally you see that she's just this really broken, um, devastated woman who has lost the love of her life.
0: Yeah. And very kind hearted and, um, and naive at first. And not only at first you see kind of how she and Mary, Mary kind of tries to warn her about Frank. And um, she just, she's too trusting and too sort of, I guess, rosy-eyed to sort of, uh, you know, she just, she loves this man. She has faith in this man. It's such a contrast to his second wife who, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a whole other character. Um, but you've had major roles in big Broadway productions before, as I noted. But this merely is one of those shows that I think people see not only as a hit, it, but as an event with all the name talent involved, and you work very closely with the stars of the show. You have a, a big number with Jonathan Groff and Daniel Radcliffe, which is really mm-hmm. funny and engaging. And you also sing one of the show's most famous numbers, Not A Day mm-hmm. Goes By, one of the songs that's become a standard for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did all of that or has all of that brought any special pressures or thrills?
2: Oh, I, sure, I, definitely both. I think it is thrilling. I, I didn't, like I said, I don't have the va- the baggage of the the negative things about the show before before being in it. But I did know, of course, not a day goes by and um, opening doors and some of the numbers from the songs. So it is really uh, thrilling to be able to be the person to put my own stamp on it and give give it kind of my own sort of flair. But I, I will say if I stopped really to think about the pressure that were on those numbers and on that particular number, not a day goes by, I probably would freeze a little bit. But I will say Maria in the rehearsal process gave me so much encouragement and freedom. And she and I sort of align a lot sort of in our approach. So I as far as the song itself, I, I really could not separate it from the storytelling of the piece. And so as long as I was within the structure of that, I felt like I could really color it however I wanted to. And she really gave me a lot of freedom. In fact, there were rehearsals where she would sort of recall something that I did uh, that she wanted to sort of layer in and to to keep. and and i I remember one rehearsal in particular where I said, "You know, I got to tell you, I don't really always remember exactly how it goes, and I don't know that I'll ever be able to do it exactly the same every time." And she right away she said, "Oh, no, 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 and I don't want you to." And so, and that was an early rehearsal that she had she and I sort of had that exchange. and I, and so it was that moment that I really realized that she was really giving me a lot of permission to. Make, and, and making sure we were telling the same story and that I understood what the story was, but giving me a lot of freedom within that to sort of play and ride the wave because truly Stephen Sondheim, his writing is particularly in that song is is virtually flawless. It's It's beautiful and you don't really have to add anything to it or push it. Uh, or push an agenda on it or make it work. It just, it simply just works and you just have to ride the wave.
0: I was going to ask you actually, that segues nicely into sort of what I was going to touch on next, which was Sondheim. Uh, Was he a big influence on you? I guess that's almost like a rhetorical question for anybody working in musical theater, but did you form any special connections to his
2: work or have you ever met him for that matter? I unfortunately have never met him. I have auditioned for many different Sondheim shows and this is the first one I actually got cast in. But of course, yeah, I absolutely was influenced by his work as a young performer. And I mean, you know, in college and in school, as you're learning more about the musical theater genre, you, you're putting your book together in school and you, you, have to have a separate Sondheim section because he's created his own style within the musical theater genre. So you can't not know about him or his style as a young performer learning about musical theater. So yeah, I absolutely knew um, knew of him. And then you know when I did *Light in the Piazza*, I I learned a lot about um, Adam Geddel's relationship with Sondheim and how he was influenced by him. And I think I feel a little bit by proxy because I sing Adam's music for all those months and for those contracts in that show uh, on Broadway and on tour, I feel like I got a real understanding of the complexity of music like that and the complexity of a composer la- like that. And um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for that groundwork that I got um, in, in those years. And I think also Adam Gettle is a genius in his own right, but I do know of his influence by Sondheim.
0: Yeah, and you have certainly the Rodgers and Hammerstein connection there with uh, mm-hmm. Richard Rodgers being his, his grandpa right. um, and Hammerstein being Sondheim's mentor. Right. Um, I mentioned that Beth is the closest thing to an ingenue in Merrily, and you've played your share of ingenues, which makes sense given your looks and your voice. But on Broadway, <laughs> certainly, that that's a compliment, by the <laughs> way. Um, <Amazingly> uh, <laughs> um, and on Broadway, certainly, though, they have not been just the conventional pretty girlfriend types. Uh, You played Glenda, I mentioned, one of the great comedic roles in Wicked and Piazza. You played Clara, whose mental development has been affected by a childhood accident. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you sought out more challenges in your roles, more sort of complex characters?
2: Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, But I I wouldn't simplify the ingenue character either. I haven't really played very many- Good point, good point, yeah. Yeah, I I haven't played a lot of classic theater ingenues in my career, and um so I have played and mostly been cast in a lot of offbeat sort of I guess um, I guess ingenue types. Um, yeah, but yeah, as the older I get, I I see that door. Starting. Starting to close start
0: for me. <laughs> oh, but now you're getting to the point where you can play, you know, the the really ripe roles, the roles Kelly O'Hare is playing. You know, you're talking about Adam Gettle. I could, I could see, uh, I could certainly see you in that role in Days of Wine and Roses. Um, That would be,
2: uh, that would be fabulous. Um, Well, thank you. I do. I, I, I love aging. I'm not afraid of aging, and uh, certainly into the roles that are. Uh, like you said, more complex and super uh, rich and exciting because it is fun as especially I have, you know, I'm a mother and, you know, I'm almost, you know, whatever, however old, <laughs> you know, uh, it is fun to sort of explore sort of um, just other, uh, you know, and, and bring my own life experience into other types of roles. So yeah, I think that's all happening really naturally. And I, I'm really thankful for it and I'm not fearful of it. You know, I think I've, I've gone through long, long seasons without, work and without booking anything and without actually getting jobs, but never because I wasn't trying or took time away or stepped away from the business. It's just kind of how my career has, has progressed. And so I don't fear time uh, away from from working but i what i really care about is working on the quality pieces and telling the stories that really resonate and change people and and i get excited about the kinds of roles that i'm looking at you know in the next few years for that, you know, are more age appropriate for where I am now in my life. So yeah, I'm not fearful of that, but yes. And thank you for saying that I saw Kelly in days of wine and roses. And I got to tell you, it was like a revelation <laughs> just to like yeah. shout out that show and how incredible she is in that show. I, I, I really, I love, I love her work in it. Yeah. She's certainly a, a great uh,
0: singer and actress, um, a real gem. Um, And a mom like yourself, like Beth. Uh, I believe your daughter was under a year old when you
2: were working in Wicked on Broadway. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I I went back to Wicked in 2019. Yeah. And she was actually it was the end of 2018, December of 2018. So she was about almost six months old when I went back. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, and it was a short contract. It, It was a it was about a four month contract. So, yeah, it was a. It was wild. I was breastfeeding.
0: Oh my, I was going to, I didn't want to get too personal, but I, I oh, was yeah. wondering
2: about that. No, no, it's um, not not possible. Yeah. I'm an open book. <laughs> um, how old is she now, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, yeah, no. So she now she's five and a half oh, and wow. I have two more as well. So I have a five and a half year old oh, and wow. a three year old and a 18 month old. Wait, what? How do you juggle? How do you juggle that with uh, HOs a week? <laughs> oh well, I mean, let's be honest, not very well. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, but I have, you know, an amazing partner, and I have a a really great nanny who's been with us since I started the Broadway production. So that's been really helpful to have some consistent childcare and some consistent help. Um, but yeah. it is, It's. Uh, it's different with three kids than it is with one kid or a single person without any kids. It's, uh, doing eight shows a week is a a grind and it's exhausting. And boy, man, the older you get, the longer it takes to recover. I'm finding
0: Oh well, you're you're still very young, um, but uh, yeah, I I can't even imagine. I've got one, and um, yeah, I and I'm not doing eight shows a week, so I uh, <laughs> I give you credit, uh, um, and I understand you are also a songwriter and you perform in concert and cabaret. Probably not so right now. I can't see you having time for that. But do you manage to
2: squeeze any time in for writing? Oh, gosh, that's so generous to call me a songwriter. (laughs) I do (laughs) love creating music. I have um, my best friend is a a, a brilliant composer and a music director. And, um, you know, every now and then he'll come to me with some ideas and we'll just work on different things together. And so, yeah, we've we've created a few things and really just a lot of them are mostly just standalone songs, but I'm always so honored when he wants my input on a piece, um, and we do collaborate really well. He's I've been friends with him since I was fourteen years old, so he's he's like a brother. So we do um, complement each other pretty well when we do collaborate on music. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's good to have a to have a partner like that, uh, a creative
0: partner to uh, to do that kind of creative work with. Um, I did want to ask you before we wrap up a little bit just. One more question about Beth, generally. I imagine that this character has a lot of resonance for audience members, uh, women particularly, but not only women, I'm sure, because of everything that she goes through. Have you gotten any feedback that's been particularly moving or informative from someone who's come to seeing the show, whether it's, uh, you know, just somebody waiting
2: backstage to say hello or, or someone you know? I will say I can't really speak to this without acknowledging that the show itself leaves people feeling very internal and taking stock because it works in reverse the way it does. You see the consequences of the choices that these characters make. And then by the end of the show, you see them at the very beginning of their journeys, starting out and their most hopeful when absolutely anything possible. So people... Uh, universally really take something away from that. And certainly Beth's uh, story really resonates with people. I've had people that are very close to me. um, One in particular that I didn't realize was um, going through some marriage difficulty and kind of shared with me sort of the weight of seeing that divorce scene and seeing the, how broken Beth is in, in that moment and not a day goes by. So I I do, I do hear that from people every now and then. And this one in particular is somebody who I know very well and didn't realize they were struggling so much or going through this, uh, something so similar. So it was, it was a real, you know, it, it was a real shock. So yes, it does. It makes people really open up and share some vulnerable things because I think the show is so, uh, like I said before, it's so human. And that really is a product of Maria's direction.
0: Yeah, that last scene is so heartbreaking, uh, precisely because it's so hopeful. And you know what's going to happen afterwards. So with everything we've discussed, everything on your plate, do you get time to just reflect on what you've
2: accomplished and on what you'd like to do next, for that matter? Um, I do have time to reflect. I think... Every day, I just kind of can't believe I get to do this show and in, in, in the room with these people. And, and to be honest with you, it's probably the most incredible cast I've ever worked with, off stage and on. Just good people, good real friendships, genuine relationships that I've formed in in with my castmates. So, yeah, I really do. Um, I really love, and I'm so grateful that I'm in the room. And also, you know, what I love too about being an actor and having work that's kind of, Seasonal like this, like you know, you go in and out of seasons of having shows or having a job, and and then for me, I'm just a full time mom. It does make me really appreciate each time. So I really appreciate right now being a working mom, especially in a show Mm -hmm. like this that is so rewarding and so well received, thank God. Um, And then also really when I'm not working, to really appreciate that I can be fully with my kids and not be sort of you know worried about my voice or you know yelling too much. At the playground, you know, or yeah, um, yeah. just not being there at bedtime and, and saying goodnight and doing stories at, before bed. You know, I am thankful when I'm not working because I get to be really present for all of those moments that I have to miss when I have to leave to go to, to the theater.
0: Yeah, I've read about the rapport between this cast. You know, the three leads talk about their rapport, uh, have in several interviews. Does that extend through the company, I would imagine it would. Yeah,
2: I think, yeah, I think y'all are just uh, the, the interviews you all see with the three of them. You're just kind of seeing a peek into how it is with the entire cast. Um, you know, and it does. It starts with the three of them. They, are, the three of them, truly are like that. I mean, they're thick as thieves. But the trickle down is real. And among the the ensemble, and I'm Crystal Joy Brown, and I share a dressing room between us. I mean, every all the principals and all the ensemble. There's it, it is exactly what you see. The three of them. Uh, how you see them engaging with each other? We just all really love each other, and I think because we had that shared experience off Broadway, and then took mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a few months apart, and then now re- have we're all reconnected for the Broadway run. I, mean, I I don't know if that's part of it, or if it's just this magical sort of alignment of everybody's life and where we are in life and being in this show. But it is, yes, that is exactly how we all are with each other.
0: Well, it's it's very, very palpable, and uh, I'll encourage anyone who hasn't seen this show to see it, if you can get tickets. It's a very, very hot ticket. Uh, <laughs> thank so thank you again, Katie. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us, and congratulations on this huge and very well-deserved success.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. What a great conversation. Thank you so much.
0: For all things Broadway, and to find tickets to your next show, visit broadwaydirect.com. And if you liked our show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And do not forget to share and rate stage Door sessions so that other theatre fans can find us as well. This podcast is produced by Broadway Direct and the Niederlander Organization with Iris Chan, Erin Pravosnik-Wagner, and Paul Art-Smith, and hosted and produced by me, Elisa Gardner. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again on Broadway.